get a different perspective, let's put on Ruby's shoes and follow her journey. Nah. Well, to get another perspective, let's walk around in Ruby's shoes for a while. No. And then we should have asked Ruby what fucking kind of shoes she was wearing. That would have been funny. Well, welcome back to Perspective Paradox. We're glad that you decided to hang on to check out episode two and to hear some of our guests speak rather than just hear KJ and I. This episode is, well, they're all really cool, but we're talking to Ruby on the topic of women in traditionally male careers. So before we start, let's remember the disclaimer that we don't claim to be the reference or the factual on any of the content included, but we do ask that you put yourself in another's shoes and listen to a different perspective. Okay, folks, let's put on Ruby's shoes. Ruby, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? A female over 50 in a somewhat male-dominated role. I have a master's in biological sciences with an emphasis on water quality. Just been living the dream. And that qualifies you to be with us today, so thank you for that. My perception. So how do I think about myself (laughs) in a male-dominated job? I don't see myself as being in a male-dominated job. I don't spend my time looking at the differences between gender, pretty much any roles that I've that I've done. Surprisingly enough, here there are just as many women directors as there are men directors for pretty much all of the different offices that the county seat holds. So for being as red of a county as we are, like it's just it's so progressive here that you just don't really I don't see any kind of a difference. I don't see any kind of you know, gender roles being played out here. So what do you think it was that, and this is probably a really big question and feel free to really elaborate if you want or not want. What do you think it was about your life and your experience as a whole that gives you the perspective that there's just not really a difference to consider in a woman working in a place that's maybe 85% men? I had to fight tooth and nail and claw my way out of the gutter, you know, out of homelessness, out of drug addictions, like I've had to claw my way out. And I worked really, really, really hard, not only to stay alive when I was in that kind of a lifestyle, but also to bring myself up in the lifestyle that I choose now. So I've had to work and fight for everything that I've had. And it's never been because of the gender. It's always been, you know, because somebody's meaner, tougher, or smarter, or more educated than you So I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be with as hard as I've worked for it. And I don't think being a woman has ever been a complication of that. A lot of women would say, well, that's not necessarily true, that either you're not getting paid as much as men or that maybe you were hired just because you were a woman and they needed one. And has any of that ever played out in a interview or in something else you tried to pursue? No, because I've been able to work my way up just about in any position that I've had. When I uh, became an adult, um, you know, I mean, I started on the bottom rung. I started on, you know, the very bottom and I worked my way up. I worked my way up in just about everything that I've done. So obviously I have the ability to be successful, you know, when I put my mind to it. And I don't think my gender really has a whole lot to do with it. So what is work from the bottom? I started out, um, I started out actually 
you know, doing uh, hard labor, farm jobs, uh, worked at horse ranches, worked with horses, and worked at a feed store. So, I mean, I really, oh, I worked really hard at customer service, uh, trying to figure out customer service, how to, how to learn how to tell somebody to fuck off without them being all pissed off about it. <laughs> so, you know, like I, I, I created a really good skill. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then at some point, I actually got into state government, um, and I started out as an office assistant. So I went from that and honing that skill to somebody seeing that skill and saying, hey, you should apply for this. I apply for it, and I get it. And from that point, I worked my way up as far as I could without any education, um, and then was, you know, pushed or... Um, you know, guided into, you know, going back to school to get a formal education so that I can move further up into, into that um, government entity. I mean, that was guided by the people that were in charge. He would help our audience to understand some of the stuff that he just said, because I can kind of pick up the pieces, but I want to make sure what I'm hearing is correctly. So I grew up with a very versatile lifestyle. Um, my mother and my father were completely two different people. Um, my mother was uh, a gypsy, a hippie, um, you know, commune, living uh, commune to commune, uh, commune. And uh, my dad was a military guy. Um, two different lifestyles because my mother was very democratic. <laughs> my dad was very... Um, it, he was a dictator, so <laughs> you know, when I was with him, I didn't really do much of anything. Like I didn't, I didn't screw around. But when I was with my mom, like I pretty much did whatever I wanted, and she signed off on it. So you know, when you give kids that reign to do whatever they want, they get themselves into some serious trouble, and I did. <laughs> being a girl and being in some of the different lifestyles that uh, my parents were in. Um, you know, I, I kind of, kind of got eaten by wolves. And when I became a teenager and started, you know, trying to experiment and try to figure out who I was, I, I got eaten by more wolves. So, um, you know, I've, I've been tossed around by men quite a bit and, um, I've did a lot of my own tossing, you know, so as a woman, I, it was easier for men to prey on back in my earlier days and back when I was a child. But my mother was a very smart woman in all of her weirdness and, you know, was able to bring me up in a way that did not make me a prisoner of that. So that leads to a good question. When you were younger, did you have an idea then? I mean, I'm sure you weren't thinking about a career, but did you think of what women could do and couldn't do at that time? Or was it still just kind of a, I, I do what I want? Can you clarify that question just a little bit? Yeah. My question is, is I guess basically over time, does your perception of what women could do for work change? Have you always thought it doesn't matter what you are? It, yeah. So, um, uh, so my mother uh, was really good at being able to Lead by example, she kind of moxied her way into being a long, a long haul truck driver. She, 
you know, I mean, growing up in the 70s, she was very politically active. So um, we certainly, my brother and I, we certainly, you know, helped her with those political agendas, you know, with uh, gay rights, women's rights, um, civil rights, all kinds of things. So, um, so I didn't really see where gender played a major role in what you did. My father didn't really, surprisingly enough, like he didn't push me in one direction or another, like, oh, you got to be this pretty little nurse, or ooh, you got to be a secretary, or, you know, all of these gender-related roles uh, that were really big in the 50s and 60s it was it was you can do whatever you put your mind to you can be whatever you put your you know your dreams to like you you just have the ability to do what it is that you choose to do as long as it doesn't harm others and it makes you happy good what inspired you or what did motivate you to get into environmental or solid waste and that kind of thing well, you know, sometimes you just go the direction that the wind blows you. Uh, for me, in high school, high school was very difficult for me. I was not able to, I wasn't able to really sit through class or do the homework, keep up with the homework. Like that just, it was very difficult for me. And I'm sure that if I had lived 20 years later, they probably would have called me ADHD or ADDD, which they do, but in school, like I, I probably would have wound up being medicated to it. I don't know. But back then, it just wasn't something that uh, was even considered. It was just, you know, oh, you just had a hard time concentrating there. Oh, you're just lazy. Oh, you're just on a loser's path. <laughs> but I had a biology teacher, ninth grade and 10th grade, part of 10th grade, who taught in such a way that not only was I able to sit through his class and get B's in, I can still remember today some of the lessons that he taught. I mean, he was that good of a teacher. The first semester of 10th grade, I had, I had him for my biology teacher. And then the second half of my 10th grade, they put me into a different biology teacher's class and I just cried. I begged for them to put me back. Like that was the one thing that really made me want to be at school was to be in his class. And they they just they weren't gonna do it. Class schedule was set, that's what it was. And I failed dude's class like in no time at all, like not even showing up. It was fourth period, right after lunch, you know, it was easier to skip. So out of my school career, high school career, I wound up with a GPA of about 1, 1.5. And the only really good grade that I ever got was B's out of biology. So even though when I first started going back to school, seriously, uh, it was more along the lines of occupational safety and health because that was the field that I was in. But when I wound up in Minnesota and I was given the freedom to actually look at what I wanted to do, it was more along the biology track. I actually wound up getting my associates of science in environmental science. And then I went and got a BS in ecology and natural resources with an emphasis on wildlife. And then when I went for a master's, I wound up going for a biological sciences master with an emphasis on water quality. I was smart enough to know that you can't pigeonhole yourself into one lane. <laughs> 
if you want to be able to pay back your student loans and actually get a job. And I knew that by getting into policy and into water quality stuff that I had a much better chance of actually finding a good paying job. But I really wanted to do wildlife. I would much rather pick through poop and get bones than to sit behind a desk trying to come up with policy or compliance or anything along those lines. I must say, you know, a GPA of 1.0 to obtaining your master's is huge. And it sounds like really, if you look back, it really was your parents that set you up to succeed, even though you didn't feel like it at that time. I think my dad taught me quite a few things, but my mother by far, since she was being the main parent, um, and definitely not wanting to stigmatize me by what her upbringing was about. She definitely gave me the, the ability to overcome a lot of those social constructs. I don't know. I think she was kind of oblivious to the fact that her daughter was flying in the wind, but at the same time, being able to give me the empowerment to know that when I put my mind to it, like I can work my way through it and I don't have to be a prisoner of that. We're going to, of course, keep bringing this back to male, female, and we're, we're trying real hard during these first three to four weeks to not really give our perception because the goal is to have our listeners just take in other perceptions and understand that it could be a different one and they could all be right. I'm not going to say too much about what I might think, but Indiana University says that they did a survey where women were like 15% of a certain workforce, maybe solid waste, maybe whatever, it doesn't say specifically, but that these women experience social isolation, sexual harassment, low levels of support in all of these types of things. And I'm hearing you say that's just not been your experience. It has not been my experience. Not to say that it hasn't been other women's experience, but the women that I know that have experienced that to a great degree, I wouldn't say we're exactly innocent in all of the improprieties or they weren't masters of their own direction because, you know, some people out there just freaking, they dig for something or they have an agenda to go in a certain direction. And I think that they created that in order to match their agenda. So, but I'm just saying for the, for the women that I have known in my life that, you know, have had those issues, they were not innocent in, in the direction that that all went. So, but, you know, I've seen women who, you know, cry foul with no foul. So, I mean, like, how do you balance that out? I think women have, we have it all. Honestly, like we fucking have it all. You know, when I look at women's roles and the ability for women to do one of two things, which is go to work or stay home without any kind of social stigmatization or, or um, stigma to it, I think is, I mean, men don't get that. If men stay home, if society just kind of looks at them like, oh my God, what a freaking loser. You know, what, what a moocher, really. You know, it makes the wife go to work and do all this stuff. So, I mean, like men don't get those opportunities, whereas women, like it or not, we have two options that are socially acceptable. And how is that not freedom? <laughs> that is like, that's it. That's the end of this podcast. Don't need to talk. <laughs>
applied uh, psychology actually kind of touch base on that. Through a study, they found that women who are in jobs that are closely held by men, society views them differently than they would, say, if mom decides to be a stay-at-home mom. They view those uh, people that try out for those jobs or try to achieve and to strive to do better as more selfish, basically with the bitchy characteristics, and that they're just basically assholes. My question is, are you bitchy? Do you think that maybe you could be an asshole? Or I think I have my moments of being like a superior dick, but (laughs) (laughs) but not to my employees. In the very beginning, I think you said that you learned how to be an asshole to those that were treating you like shit in your service job. I'm trying to picture myself working at a feed store, which are probably people who go there, mostly old dudes, right? Who farm and stuff like that. There <laughs> are a lot of women. <laughs> oh, there are lots? Okay. I'm sorry, my perception being uh, thinking <laughs> yeah. about that. That job gave you a, a, a life skill that maybe some people don't receive or don't experience at a young yes. age. Yes, really a young age. It was, it was as I became a mature adult, which was, you know, when I decided not to live a life of, you know, bankruptcy. And yes, I, I, I did learn conflict resolution or how to tell somebody to fuck off with a smile, you know, so that they'll come back. And for that particular job, a woman was the manager that hired me when I first started. And then somebody came in and took over, which was a guy, but shorter than me, <laughs> which is really hard to, <laughs> to achieve. <laughs> And uh, and me not being able to keep my mouth shut was constantly freaking <laughs> needling him and um, whatever. So, you know, like I worked there for three years and, and I never got promoted. I stayed at the same wage that he had put me at after she giving me my first raise, you know, and I was stuck there. I was working full time on a part time wage, would not get put on to full time. And it wasn't because I was a woman. It was because it was easy to do. I had a child, I had, you know, medical through the state, I had welfare through the state, they could work me as much as they needed to as a part-timer, you know, and not have to pay all of that other stuff. So it wasn't that I was a woman that I was being taken advantage of, it was the fact that I was a single mother on state assistance. You know, like, what am I going to do? I could certainly, you know, find another job, which took me three and a half years to do. At that point, I didn't have the ability to like really keep my mouth shut because, you know, he gave me too much uh, material, you know, dude was short. (laughs) 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 We're still not going to get a freaking promotion. (laughs) Point out all of his weaknesses. I hit on his girlfriend, you know. (laughs) Are you in charge of all men or women too? I have two men and one woman. It was two women and one guy. That was on my team, and uh, unfortunately, um, my litter crew supervisor was not able to come back, so I had to hire in temporarily, and I hired a male for the position. So, you know, the the other the other guy, my landfill compliance officer, he uh, he was there when I got here, and he's pretty good at doing his job. I need to change that out. My recycling coordinator, you know, I mean, it was whoever was best for the job. And, you know, it's also, since you bring that up, and I'm probably kind of moving ahead a little bit, but as a, as a supervisor, as 
a hiring supervisor, and it's not the only position that I've had where I've had to hire people. I don't really look at gender as much as I'm looking at who is the best fit for my team. You know, am I going to hire, you know, a guy that doesn't have really any good hygiene skills? Probably not, no matter how, <laughs> no matter how, how uh, skilled he might be. Like, you know, I, and I'm not going to hire a woman that I feel is going to be detrimental to the dynamics of my team, you know, male or female. It's like, if they're not going to fit in, then I'm not going to put myself through that because I don't have to today. Whereas like when I was working for the state, you know, they have so many people that they have to run through. And when they don't work out with one, with one area, it's like, okay, well, let's move it, move this person over to this area, you know, until, until they get tired of his bullshit or her bullshit, you know, and then they move them over to another area. And it's like, you know, like, I'm just going to avoid that altogether and hire who I think is going to be the best fit, not necessarily the most skilled. Because I can, I can teach somebody the job. I just need somebody who I know is going to be a good fit for my team. So what about occupational token? You know what that is? Mm -mm. Occupational token, which is interesting. Krisha ran across it in her research, and I had to look around to see what that was. And Krisha, if you want to comment and get in on where you found that, when I look around, I have a little bit of trouble finding it. But my understanding of an occupational token is that person who's there because they need a person like that. Like, oh, I've got all the men. We need a girl. We just hire you because we need a woman. No, I need a woman. They call that, what, affirmative action? Yeah, I suppose they call it different now. I think the token word came from the 50s. Yeah, it used to be affirmative action, so. Oh, the disclaimer to this show is that we are, uh, Krisha and I are using the show to get educated. So if we sound, or I should just speak for myself, if I sound a little bit dense from time to time, it's because I need to learn and that's why I'm doing this. (laughs) Occupational token, huh? So my mother obviously utilized affirmative action to attain her goals like back in the 70s otherwise she wanted to vent a long-haul truck driver so you know like I did grow up kind of seeing a little bit of that play out because my mother was the occupational token and of course there was Indian Joe um, who was the token Native American and then there was Elvin who was the you know the token black guy you know, so these three people were like their tokens. So, you know, like they were the crew. And of course, they were the crew that got screwed quite a bit. Like my mother, they would give her the freaking trucks. Like there was one truck, number five, that, you know, was like infested with crabs. So she, like, she, got, she got crabs like a couple of different times from the, you know, trucks. And like what? they were just giving her the shittiest freaking truck out of the stock. Like, how do we can't treat how come these trucks aren't clean? Did the token yeah. or your mom sit naked on the truck seat? Like, I don't understand. Long haul truck drivers, they have a sleeping cab. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, it's not a short haul where it's like an eight hour day. It's like eight days later, you might get home. <laughs> okay. All right. So, does that make sense now? It does. Because in my scenario, your mom would have had to sit naked on the seat. Oh my gosh, Nicole, seriously? 
I told you, this is for me to learn as well as to help uh, the rest of the listeners with opening their minds to different perspectives. As an 11 year old, I knew more about crafts than I did life. That's the joys of growing up in the 70s. <laughs> You know what? I'm in tears here. I can understand bed bugs. <laughs> I really can. But my but my vision and and my thought process every time I'm gonna be passing an 18 wheeler. Fabulous. Sorry. <laughs> your mom you don't care. <laughs> so Ruby, is your mom is your mom around anymore? I don't remember. Oh yeah. Is yeah. she going to be okay with us talking about her crap? She'd probably be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we forgot about all that. <laughs> Let us know if we should take that part out later. <laughs> my mother is very open. I'm not sure how we got where we got, but that was fun. Going back to the tokens. Yeah. So, yeah, so you do have the experience yeah. of token employees. Mm. So if, if I were to summarize what I'm hearing you say this whole time really is that, sure, that used to be a thing. There was gender role jobs that were okay, but it you weren't taught that that mattered. You didn't see that that mattered. And you just grew up and went, I'm just going to do what I do. And that's how it's worked for you. Yeah, that's a very fair statement. In my research, one of the things I found was this certain age group that actually there are more women working in the age group of 25 to 64. However, between the ages of 45 and 65 or 64, there are more women in the workplace than there are those that are 18 to, to like 20, which I found very interesting. Yeah, it, it seems actually what is occurring is that there is a decline of females going into the workforce. Starting at the age of 16. Is it, is it a decline in women in the workforce or is it decline across the board? Across the board. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics are actually projecting that the labor force participation rate of teenage women at 25.9% in 2024, which is a decline of 7% where we're at now. Basically, the ages of 20 to 24 will see a similar decline, but it won't be as much as 7%. It'll be at 2.6%, which is kind of interesting because they're seeing people like in our age at work more. I feel that there's a lot of opportunities that our moms fought for a lot. Our moms, our grandmas, our great-grandmas fought for a lot for females to do whatever in this world, right? Growing up believing you can do whatever as long as you work hard for it. And it just now seems like, is there something lost? Is this actually a good thing or is it a bad thing? I don't really trust statistical data because you can pretty much take statistics and, and wrap it into whatever you want without knowing if or what are the confounding variables or, you know, what did they leave out or what did they put in? You know, like, are they using a bell curve? Yeah, it's, that's true. I just, statistics, <laughs> statistics to me, like there's things that they're leaving out there that, that doesn't really fit with what it is that they're trying to measure. When it comes to, you know, if we're going to talk about women specifically in the workforce in those age groups, like I can look at my own children who are no longer teenagers, as much as I wish they were, and see a difference in the way that they perceive societal norms compared to what, you know, my mother or what I perceive to be societal norms. 
So like growing up, my mother was almost always working. She was occasionally on welfare, but welfare was not a choice. Welfare was there to help, you know, during those times when things were rough. When I became a mother, you know, there seemed to have been this shift of ideas that you didn't have to be in the workforce, that you could you could take up welfare as, as a job choice. And whether or not the Bureau of Labor Statistics calculate that as potential workforce or not in the workforce, however they, they do as labor statistics, you know, it's like, I don't know because I don't have the research in front of me. But there has been a big change in how the 20s and 30-year-olds now perceive work. Oh, yeah. that's going to hurt my feelings. I'm not going to do it. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to wait until the right job comes along and then I'll work rather than you have to work in order to get where you want to be. Work is not going to come to you. Dream job of yours is not going to magically appear, you know, fall in your lap. Like you have to work for it. And so there has been a huge paradigm shift in how things were thought of back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s compared to what they were thought of in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I can see it yeah. in, you know, others. I can see it in my generation, and I can see it in my kids' generation. What do you think COVID will do with this? I mean, this past uh, 2020, is just, let's just flush it down the toilet. I think we're going to skip the whole year because it was actually a decade. 2020 was a decade. Do you think 2020 will definitely change dynamics? Well, we know it's going to change the workforce, right? Because there's more women now going to school than men. Yeah. And there is a decline with men going to school. So are we actually going to see a flip in roles, meaning that there will be more women in the workforce come near future, where a majority of us will be working versus men? I think the world has opened up for women to do things that perhaps they thought they, they couldn't do in the past. But I'd be real interested to know, like, what is the population, what is the, the demographic? of the population like are we moving towards you know a society that has more women than men or you know does that play a factor does it not play a factor i don't know there's just so much that goes into that that i just can't i just can't call that very reliable data unless i actually know all of the facts and how they calculated it i think covid is definitely here to stay i definitely think that um it is a major major shift in every aspect of life. So how that's going to play out, I don't know. It could definitely bring more women into the workplace that had previously decided to stay home and take care of kids because daycare costs too fucking much these days. <laughs> There's no parents or grandparents around that want to babysit kids. You know, now they have the ability to maybe actually work from home. And that could probably be a whole other, I mean, everything is a whole other thing we can talk about for weeks on end is the work from home and being a parent from home. That's a whole new role for a man or woman. You used to have a stay-at-home mom and then it was like, is there a stay-at-home dad? And now it's just going to be like, are you a stay-at-home working family? Stay-at-home dad in my world was called a freaking moocher and a loser and a lazy-ass son of a bitch. Like, right, right. Yeah, and that's yeah. very cool. And maybe that has something also to do with the rate of women in school. How many of these people are single and how many people used to be single? Or how many women are being born compared to men? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And I did find an article that came up about when we asked about whether or not young men are also less in the workforce. AmericanExperience.org took this from a Bloomberg article, and it says, in 2018, 10 years after the Great Recession, 25 to 34-year-old men are lagging in the workforce more than any other age and gender demographic. About 500,000 more would be punching the clock today had their employment rate returned to pre-downturn levels. Meaning, back in 20, 2008 or whatever, way more people, 25 to 34, worked, but now they live with their parents. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that lost a lot of stuff. You know, maybe, maybe it is the wife that's going back to work and they're not. Maybe it is. You know, I mean, there were a lot of jobs that really took a major hit when 2008 came and then 2010 or, but I mean, there were two two downturns in, in economics. Definitely kind of shifted everything at that point. This is going off topic. Sorry, Nicole. Would you say whenever there's been a major economic crisis or just a huge crisis in general in America where it affects our population, that the the gender that rebounds the best or probably benefits the most is the female? Absolutely. Why is that? Because we're more resilient. <laughs> I mean, if you look at history, if you want to go back, you know, anthropologically, um, go back into history, you know, I mean, the women have always had to overcome. They've always had to, you know, be the one that takes care of the family, communicates, um, you know, sets things up, kind of orchestrates everything. Whereas the guys, you know, like it has almost always been their role to to be the protector. So, I mean, they haven't had, I don't know, when you want to when you want to adapt, you need to be able to, to have skills that go beyond one or two main skills. And women, just by the nature of where they were put in social tasks, have, have led them to that ability to adapt. Whereas men, not so much. I mean, what are they're told, you know, like, oh, way back in the day, oh, don't cry, it makes you look weak, or you know, you can't have feelings or, um, you know, you have to be manly and, you know, muscular and protect the family. And, you know, it's like that doesn't really give you an option to learn more skills to adapt to maybe fight your way out. Sure, they're good with a sword. Absolutely. But women are really good with the brain. Like we have had to figure out how to get ourselves out of scrapes. We've been abused. We've been beat down, knocked around, used abuse, whatever. Well, how do you survive that? Century after century, like how do you survive something like that? If you don't have the ability to adapt, how the hell do you, how do you remain on earth? Like how do you remain part of society? My belief is that women have definitely over centuries, you know, just in our mitochondrial DNA, we are given the ability to adapt. Whereas men are just now starting to learn the ability to adapt. They got to be okay with their feminine side. That's a great question though. (laughs) And so talking about gender roles, do you think that's a thing? Like, do you really think that the man's sensitive side is his feminine side or is that just more of something people say in the corner? 
it, it's what people say and it's kind of funny but you know like even in different cultures today like there's still a masculine there's still a feminine in my culture and, and in the way that we live there is a masculine and a feminine and my husband as manly as he is allows himself to have that feminine side be caring to be communicative to be you know empathic towards other people men as a whole in general we're not taught that, you know, at least back way back when I think things started to change, you know, with all of the movements with, you know, the gay rights, the pride rights, and, you know, all this gender discussion that really started to take place like back in the 90s or so, you know, most men were not brought up to be soft and caring and to be empathic towards, you know, other people's feelings or who they were, or who they are. Today, we have a lot more men that are actually willing to be caring and loving and empathic towards, you know, others. I mean, they're really fighting against that whole, that whole idea that, you know, they're weak or just to have any kind of negative connotation to it. It's like being gay or being a queen no longer has that negative connotation. Or, you know, being a pussy doesn't have a connotation either. Being a ball sack, maybe, but it's, it just doesn't have the same negative impact that it used to have. Yeah, we have a lot of impact on the way that you see things. You was a firefighter and still sensitive to life and people and things, right? So if there was a woman on his team, I am sure that she didn't notice a dang thing about being a woman as a firefighter working alongside of him. And when you're saying that, right, more men behaving that way, influencing women not noticing the difference. He was in the military for 20 and a half years. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, did artillery. And he worked in defense, you know, for quite a long time. And, you know, of course, he did the firefighting on the side. And Is it great that the only thing or the main thing I remembered about what he did was the firefighting? I forgot the whole military. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, got a little men in uniform. <laughs> They all look good with a helmet. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give to women who do have an issue in the workplace? I'm looking at Google in different places. It's like 25% of women are reporting discrimination or that kind of thing. So what kind of advice would you give a woman around this topic? I don't know that I'd really give advice only because people need to figure things out for themselves. My perception is not necessarily going to be, you know, what they come across or what their perception is. I think at the end of the day, it is really important for us to stop and just look at where we are in our own life to see how we've played into what's going on around us to be able to look at where we want to go and then create the path to do that. My take on this is that if you get yourself stuck in limitations, you know, in a place where you become limited in what you can do, then you need to go a different direction. But you have to have a pretty clear focus on where it is you want to go. Otherwise, you do kind of become kind of blowing in the wind. You know, but you also have to take advantage of the situation, too, and kind of learn a few things that might be helpful later on down the road. Like, you know, if you're going through stuff like that, you know, document, document, document. That's going to be the best way to get yourself anywhere if what's going on is harassment or sexual harassment or, you know, anything that's really limiting your ability to move forward document it. I guess that's the closest thing to advice as I can get. If you get to a place where you're limited in how far you can go and you want to go further, 
then take a different direction or at least get to where you're content. From where I sit, it is easier for me to see where some people don't get to where they want to be because they don't have the personality or the mojo or whatever to rub people the right way. I mean, some people just freaking suck. And we as humans, we're going to look at people, we're going to fill people out, and we're going to make judgments based on what that is. And there are just going to be times when people rub us the wrong way. Do we have to hire that person? No, not in most cases, I would hope. But, you know, when that happens, if it's a different gender, is it suddenly, oh, well, they're, you know, condemning me or they're, you know, it's, it's you know, workplace discrimination or, you know, it's like we get the ability to be able to yell that out. I think some people, regardless of gender, are just freaking picky people. <laughs> so. Pinky people. So for a woman with uh, not much advice to give, that was a lot of advice. No, that was a lot of perception. <laughs> it was a lot of perception. You've said a lot that I need to digest. Everything you have said, I see some parallels and I'm wondering if what we're seeing, I would have to say since 1990, I would probably put it at a, a major shift in culture and change. And is America the place that is going to start that. And I'm meaning that our our world has been here living with humans for a long time, but it really was our nation that strived to do better and was better on some aspects that other countries are not even close to. That was a great wrap-up, Crystal. I'm glad you said what you said. That was powerful. It really was. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ruby. It was great. We'll call you back. Yeah. If you got any more questions or whatever, <laughs> if you need any clarification, just let me know. Oh, good. good. All right. Thanks for listening to Perspective Paradox with KJ and Nicole. Please come back again next week where you'll hear another guest who's better than the both of us and you'll have a chance to step into their shoes. Mm-hmm.